I'm definitely finding a balance. And, you know, I think what I found is like creative work has to, excuse me for the odd, speaking of, you know, tired during the day from yeah. work and training, you know, constantly sleepy, um, you know, but I have to get my creative work done in the morning or it will not get done or it won't get done at least effectively. Like some people are like, yeah, I need to run to get my creative juices going. And I'm just the opposite. Like I cannot be creative if I've already run. It's like it expelled all my creative energy. So um, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, and it's been a balance that I have not mastered. You know, I'm definitely, you know, I'd like to think that I have a, a long way to go in my pro career. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre. If you're active at all, whether you're running or simply out walking for the day, you've probably experienced one of the number one problems that active people have, and that's chafing. Solpre's all-new, all-natural anti-chafe balm solves that problem while feeding your skin the vital nutrients it needs to be healthy. If you'd like to stop chafing once and for all and treat your body right, Go to Solpri.com to check out the anti-chafe bomb today. And that's S-O-L-P-R-I.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is, interestingly, a former kindergarten teacher. We're going to ask her about that. Uh, currently, a pro ultra runner. Uh, she has numerous wins over the years, including the Western States 100. Uh, in 2018, uh, she was the first American at UTMB. Uh, as well as qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon that year. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Kat B. Rad. Welcome to the show, Kat Bradley. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, if you're just listening to the audio version, uh, you're missing out on Kat's cool background, which uh, <laughs> is actually her van because she's on the road getting ready to head out and race and kind of on the trail, so to speak, uh, no pun intended trying to train and travel and do all the things that a pro runner is obligated to do at some time. So uh, if you have the opportunity, check her out on Instagram, say thank you for being able to be here for this episode um, because making accommodations on the road is not always the easiest thing. Oh, thanks. Van makes it way easier, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> Pre-Ida built out minivan before this you know, big one. It was uh, way more difficult. So before we got going, you had mentioned something about, um, you know, being on the road, trying to hit like all your sponsor obligations before you're getting to races. Um, I guess one of the things I want to ask you about is generally speaking, life as a pro, but then also, um, you know, what that looks like in meeting the sponsor's obligations. Because I think from the outside looking in, many people will look at, say, the life of a pro and go, isn't that awesome? Like, you just get to run a lot. You get to do, you get to focus on training. Um, and I don't know as much of the intricacies as a pro runner. Uh, I know a little bit more about pro triathletes, but I know many of them uh, do their best to, like, work another job and train. And sometimes it can be a difficult to be a pro endurance athlete. 
Yeah, totally. And, you know, I did it as a full-time pro right after Western States. I was a kindergarten teacher and had this opportunity and I was like, I'm going to take it. And then just a financial burden. Um, you know, I had a retainer for my sponsors and I had, um, you know, and I have other financial support from other sponsors. Um, but it still is just, you know, the sport's small and still in trail running, it's not enough, even, you know, winning the biggest race in the world, Western States, you know, it's still small. So I did, I have been working, um, quite a bit still, you know, doing a bunch of 1099 stuff, contract work for other brands. It's sometimes for the brands that I'm affiliated with as an athlete. And then, you know, doing other stuff to, you know, I'm doing this super cool film project with Brooks um, this year that doesn't, um, you know, I'm not getting paid for that. It's a cool opportunity to tell my story, tell about my life, and then also talk about, and it, it, you know, and it's also more eyes on stuff that I'm doing and will open doors elsewhere if I ever decide that, you know, professional running is, you know, too taxing on the body and mind. So, um, you know, got a, got a lot of fires going, so to speak. I definitely understand that uh, mentality is like, I don't know how I, I'm in the middle of like maybe six different product launches and um, this brand and another brand and it's basically just me with a little bit of assistance um, and just running all of the different threads at the same time can be um, taxing mentally to try to keep track of it and then totally. you know like my mileage is nothing compared to what you're doing now like I, I'm doing like 25 30 miles a week nowadays versus like when I was doing triathlon more seriously trying to become a pro putting in you know 15 20 hour weeks which was good for me that's about as far as I got but just I have some inclination about the fatigue level just your brain goes through after all of it and you're like I can't at least I couldn't I guess think straight enough to like do creative work or you know do any of that like yeah kind of higher I, level it, thinking you know I'm definitely finding a balance and you know I think what I found is like creative work has to excuse me for the god speaking of you know tired during the day from yeah. work and training you know constantly sleepy um you know but I have to get my creative work done in the morning or it will not get done or it won't get done at least effectively like some people are like yeah I need to run to get my creative juices going and I'm just the opposite like I cannot be creative if I've already run it's like it expelled all my creative energy so um yeah it's so interesting um and it's been a balance that I have not mastered you know I'm definitely you know I'd like to think that I have a, a long way to go in my pro career um and you know I'm learning how to balance that and I kind of you know after being you know as a teacher I wasn't making that much money and then as my first few years as pro athlete you know just living well below the poverty line, you know, uh, trying to make ends meet. Um, you know, I just got so tired of that, that I took on a ton of work. You know, you kind of get famine mentality about work and, and stuff, you know, and now, you know, I'm just trying to balance that and also realize like, okay, where do my priorities lay? And I think, 
you know, I'm kind of deciding as I stabilize, like, okay, I still care a lot about running. I need to let some things go, but I can't go all in on just running again, unless, you know, I have a fat contract, but, um, you know, that's just not where the sport is yet. Yeah. Um, do you find yourself, so I know, I guess I'll say early, I, I did not have the, um, talent, I guess you have, obviously you put in the work, so I'm not trying to downplay that, but there is, you know, some potential that can't be overcome in terms of genetics, I think. So I never, I knew for myself, I wasn't going to be a top pro in triathlon. It was just something I wanted to do as a challenge, but I knew you need to put in the hours. I took like a low paying retail job to have the flexibility and time to train. And then kind of was like doing like, I refer to it as the Craigslist hustle, but like buying used electronics and refurbishing them. And during that time making, you know, a poverty line issue type pay, maybe $15,000 a year or something like that. And I remember struggling with the mentality I think you maybe you mentioned like the famine mentality, like where's, yeah. where's the money going to come from? Like what, like, yeah. am I going to find enough? Am I going to be able to make my bills, all that kind of stuff? Do you like struggle with that? Or have you come to a place where you're like, I guess, I, I don't know for me, if it was a matter of just like cognitive dissonance where I just decided this, but I eventually got to a place of like, guess trusting life and just being like ah like i'll figure it out but is that something you go through uh you know i i'm not like constantly stressed um about it anymore you know but i will say that it's something that you know i'm very recently recognizing that i have to in order to be a successful athlete that i cannot i have to just let go of that mentality and i can't say yes to every single work you know that comes my there's a lot of paid opportunities that aren't necessarily running focus that are brand focus you know brand building um because of you know i have been in the industry for a long time my name is well known and you know enough in the sport and i um you know have a lot of connections and i i just know trail running so well um and uh, it, you know, it's just so funny. I, I, you know, I, I have to just learn to let these opportunities roll off me if I really want to keep running professionally. You know, that's and that's something I've learned in the last two years. It's just like, as you said, I can't do both. You know. I think sometimes it's like, especially as more opportunities come your way, and I think as you kind of build your notoriety or build your following or you know however you want to phrase it like more and more things kind of come your way I I find I found I guess going from that place of like like oh god where's the you know where's the next opportunity coming from to as things transition to like things are going well now there's more and more now people are reaching out for different reasons between me and you clearly but just like I found there was a period of time where it was hard to say no where it was like, yeah, it has like a new learned skill where you had to be able to go like, I, I think as you mentioned, like, no, I like, this isn't quite aligned with like where I want to go. 
totally. And I'm, uh, you know, learning that lesson. And because of that, like some of the opportunities that I said yes to, like I'm one to stick to my guns and like, I'm gonna see it out, but you know, having to see it out has made me recognize that I just have to be a lot more careful with my time, you know, especially again, I'll say it again, because it's so important. Training and racing at a high level is so energy intensive, both mm. mentally and physically. It's just like, you know, and when I was a little younger, I didn't recognize that. It's just like, I look back at when I was teaching and getting my master's and training for Western States. It was just like, you know, I did that and it was so amazing. But after Western States, I was so burnt out. And it, I think it took me a lot of time to come back mentally from that. Um, I didn't have a race that I was like that fired up again about for a long time. Um, so yeah, just like choosing where that energy goes is important. So when I think about like energy, I mean, you're on the road now, again, kind of relate to like my own struggles, but I know I find it more difficult if I'm traveling to race, let alone being in a van with uh, my significant other and dog <laughs> on the way to a race, it, I find it harder to get in good food, like quality nutrition and do all that planning. How, yeah. how do you tackle that challenge? So luckily, um, you know, my partner who's also an athlete, um, he is very, he's, an excellent cook. We have a full kitchen in the van and okay. he will make sure that we get the food in. So that actually, you know, for the first time ever, like when I was teaching, that was a huge problem because I didn't cook, you know? Um, and now, you know, uh, it's just so awesome to have a partner that, um, you know, has really stepped up and recognized like right now, he's like a brilliant guy who could be doing anything in the world right now. He's like doing all our van laundry, you know? <laughs> um, so because I, you know, and he's, he's really taken on a lot of that load. Um, and that's really, you know, that's really important to all of this. And that's, you know, um, and, you know, he's chasing his own dreams too. It works out. He's a professional photographer. So like, you know, um, which is a hard industry to crack mm -hmm. um, and he's doing it, but, you know, we're, we're both like step up for it when we need to, but, you know, nutrition, luckily he's a great cook. So, and I'm a terrible cook, so it works out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I feel like the best partnerships, regardless of whether they're romantic or business wise is you, you find somebody who is strong in the things you're weak at, and then you don't step on each other's toes and you help like fill in the gaps where the other person's not so great. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it is. It, and that has really showed here, you know, in this partnership. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back a little bit in your, your running career. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about burnout, because I think it's something that most people who run for a period of time will deal with, especially if they're competition focused, um, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be, as you mentioned, kind of like a little bit of burnout after like the Western States where you didn't really feel motivated by any race, you didn't have that fire, whether we go back to like track time where you were kind of burnt out from collegiate, post-collegiate environment. Um, can you just talk me through how you, maybe what you went through and then like how you approach 
avoiding that burnout nowadays? Yeah, I've been uh, burnt out like so many times where I've taken my most recently, like um, after 2020, um, you know, I took nine weeks off running completely, like uninjured, just like I want nothing to do with it. Um, and, you know, in that, you know, I don't recommend getting to that point and then taking that amount of time off like that. You know, you have to. But like, I do also recommend if you have to get to that point, do it. Like if you are at that point where you're like, I don't want to get out the door, not just today, but like every day this month, I haven't wanted to get out the door. Like that's a sign, you know, you should at least want to, you should at least be excited for your run sometimes. Um, and my recommendation is like, first, like evaluate all the stress in your life, you know, um, our bodies, our cortisol levels, like recognize all stress, you know? Um, so if you're like, say your kid is sick, you're fighting with your husband, like, you know, some, and something went terrible at work, you know, that's all stress that's going to have a physiological impact on your body and your mind. Like if you're that day, you know, if you're wanting to get out on that day, great. Um, but if you are not, listen to that. If you're like, I don't want to run today. So important to listen to that, uh, you know, and it, it just can be a slippery slope because it turns into every day. Um, but if it turns into every day, then maybe find something else that you like to, then maybe running is not the sport for you. You know, I think that's so important to listen to that and listen to that gut because then you won't enjoy what you're doing and like you know i've gone through such long periods of time where i've hated running and yet running has been the thing that i've loved the most my whole life and so like dread every single run for big periods of time you know that is just like the biggest form of you know torture I can think of and I you know and there's way clear things that I could have done to mitigate that like you know trying to come back from races too quickly you know that is a sign that you know that'll contribute to burnout to not managing stress outside of running properly or trying or not recognizing it as a stress that will affect your run stress like that's all really you know it's you know, you're not just a runner when you're running, like you're a whole person all the time. And it all, you know, one affects the other. And, you know, if you're burnt out in life, it will seep over to running. Um, you know, you should be at least looking forward to most of your runs. One of the things I think is maybe difficult to learn, or I think a lot of us learn the hard way is like, paying attention to the right kind of signals that like our brain and body are sending us like this morning, or I guess if you're listening and it's this last week's episode, but as I, as I'm recording here this morning, talking to Kate Galliette, we were talking about like signals and feedback, like how we're, we're constantly feeding our body signals. If we're running, it's the signals of, um, you know, the resistance against the road or the trail and, and all these different things and our body gives us feedback about okay that's too hard or maybe it's not hard enough or whatever 
and then we get these that mental feedback of like oh like i don't want to i don't want to do it like i don't want to be here i don't want to go out but i think because many people i think especially uh ultra runners not to pick on you too much cat and and your kin but um gotta have a little bit of a type a personality right where you're like gotta get it done gotta put in the time you know it doesn't matter that i'm tired and because you're so yeah. strong in that that mentality that it's easy to blow past that signaling of like maybe like you need a little bit more rest so I yeah think it's and it's also yeah and even if you're listening to that s- signaling and you recognize it there's just like super toxic guilt around sport that if you're not following the training plans the t then you're failing yeah and you're actually failing if you don't listen to yourself and to your body like if you just take a deep breath like your your gut knows what is right i'm a firm believer in that if you just like take a few deep breaths and sit with it and think about it like what should i actually do right now is this run gonna set me over or is this run am i just like kind of pushing back and finding excuses not to start because there is that too like sometimes I like find every excuse in the world not to run and my partners like get out the door you know and I'm grateful for it but there's a difference and like if we reflect we'll we'll know that we'll feel that and it just you know it just takes that self-reflection and that self-reflection takes practice because it's uncomfortable I it's a the part of the situation which you're kind of talking about is like like you said it's like kind of like sussing out the difference between that i don't want to go but i'm fine and the i don't want to go because i'm really not fine because they're both like that internal monologue going yeah don't do it and it's hard like i don't know that like our partners or our family or our friends I don't know that it's always easy to see. It's not like there's a big bright red button on her forehead going uh, overworked. You know, it's 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 so much more subtle than that, which I think yeah. makes it that much more dangerous. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And it also is dangerous because like, you know, you can make that decision and you know, even if it was the right decision, immediately spiral, you know, and then that spiral of like, oh my God, I didn't follow my training plan. What will my coach say? Or what's going to happen at this race? It's only eight weeks away. Like, you know, that mentality, you know, and I think that's just very, um, you know, that's like a Western mentality, you know, there's just like movement going on in the rest of the, you know, of people like, hey, dude, like it's okay to take your day off. Like you don't have to feel guilty about taking a day off if you need to sit on the couch and read all day. You know, that is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And like, I think hopefully that mentality will start to lead into um, running because like, you know, it's a, you know, you're not a failure if you need the rest like that's you know you're that's out of your control you know and again I'll say it you know you're a failure if you don't listen to that and like you know and even you you're not a failure that's too harsh but you know you will 
you know, that's where you'll suffer consequences, both long-term and short-term. Um, I want to see if you relate to this. I, I felt like you talked about guilt for not getting a run in or, or what will my coach say? I definitely had, I mean, for the longest time, a big appreciation uh, for my coaches, but also like almost like a need to please them. And this is like much more younger me, um, say like high school, college, maybe early post-college. Nowadays, I'll, it's much more of a conversation with my coach. Um, do you feel like you've ever been in that mentality or do you see that with anybody you've maybe 100%. worked with? I think, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to think um, that the athletes that I coach, you know, I really tell them like, Hey, you know, I'm just a human too. I'm just an athlete. I have the same shit. That's how I know how to deal with it. And that's how, where I can help you. So I, I hope, and I like to think that my athletes feel like they can come to me with everything. Um, but, you know, I have been in that trap where you want to please your coach and it is totally intoxicating you know and that I've been in that especially uh, as you said younger me in my high school and collegiate career and even my early trail running career of just having to please my coach and needing that praise and you know that is something that I think is uh you know we need to unteach that in young athletes especially because that you know severely damaged my early career especially you know that's a whole nother we can have like a whole nother podcast on this but you know that's how you know dopers are created you know and like the nike project or whatever is they just want to please their coach and their coach comes to them you know and it's already a power dynamic and uh you know sorry if i'm going off it's tangent but like you know, I, I've seen it and I've been around it. And I've also, you know, as a collegiate athlete, you know, my collegiate coach was like, you gotta lose some weight, you know, and it ruined my collegiate career, you know, and, and that was all to please, you know, that coach. So like, I totally felt that. And that goes into the guilt, but it also is this whole other issue about how to tackle that because it's, you know, there's, it's a one thing to look up to your coach and it's one thing to like, you know, how, you know, go by your coach's law. It's okay to ask questions, you know, to your coach. And in fact, I think most coaches will like that because it means you're taking ownership of your training. You know, it means you're, that you're interested and you're empowered. Um, but, you know, that's a whole nother topic and a can of worms that I honestly don't really want to get into because it's supercharged obviously yeah. but I do think that yes I can relate to that and I think that every young athlete can and I think every young female athlete especially has some crazy story about some crazy coach situation where they you know and I'm sure a lot of male athletes do too but you well know, you know what I was gonna athletes. say is like I've had this conversation I mean recently with several I don't know how like several times over the, the several years I've been doing this show I don't know that I've yet had this conversation with a male athlete of their coach being like, you need to lose some weight. And often, not often, but the convers the time I have this conversation with female athletes, it's often ends up to like some kind of eating disorder. And then that leads to injury and overtraining and burnout. And then like 
this whole like mental health spiral, not everybody ends up down the whole, the whole, you know, trail of tears kind of situation, but just like it was a bad reference, but um, I just, it seems like from my very small sample size um, that I would give some very serious weight to it being much more a coach and female athlete problem than a male athlete problem. Yeah, and I don't think that's totally, I think there are a lot of male athletes who have suffered in similar ways, whether it be weight or drugs, you know, I think that's, again, how a lot of dopers are born is, you know, I, you know, and I just have such sympathy for them, knowing myself as a younger athlete, you know, I was on the track to chase pro track dreams, you know, when I was and um I you know I can see my younger self if a coach that I really looked up to was like this is the way this is the way you win this is and endorsed it you know I can see myself falling in that trap only uh, you know out of wanting to please this coach and perform well um so and I, I know that's the case for a lot of male athletes and I don't you know it's not excusable for dopers you know, it, it's just like, it's such a sad trap. Like, I just feel, feel bad for, for young athletes, like in the Nike project and whatever else, you know, um, not necessarily the ones who found it and later in their career, but for the 18 or 21 year olds who are starting a pro career and are told that this is the only way to go. You know, that's, that's sad because in their careers ruined they have to live with that for the rest of their life and that is sad but again off topic <laughs> that's that's kind of the name <laughs> of the show is off topic that's kind of i should probably change yeah. the name of the show to off topic because that's exactly what i do all the time um uh speaking of off topic now i've lost my train of thought to go off of this topic <laughs> um uh we're talking about who knows i don't know um, another thing I wanted to ask you about um, that I do remember that I actually have down, uh, I, I wanted to ask about because over the years you've had, uh, you know, a number of notable wins, um, FKTs, losing FKTs, trying to regain FKTs, um, that how do you stay focused on the interior race? What I mean is like just racing yourself instead of racing the clock or racing the opponent, or do you, is it, is it more important as a pro to focus on the clock and the opponents? Yeah, that's such a good question. And, um, and you mean like by that, just getting the best out of yourself every race. Right, right, right. So like I had my, one of my college coaches uh, would say to me, like, run your race and the clock will take care of itself. So like he didn't want yeah. to focus on like, obviously splits are important and racing is important, all those things. But, but the main focus is what he wanted was for us to focus inwards and make sure that we were giving the best that we could give on any given day. So I, that's kind of my inquiry is like, is that how you focus or is it more external now kind of on the, the pro side? You know, I will say that when I'm um, in 
competition, um, late in competition, I can't help but to race my competitors or the clock. Like, I'm just such a competitor that I, you know, especially in the end, like I'm very good at pacing myself in the beginning for ultras. And, um, but, you know, it's very difficult for me not to, you know, I say go hunting at the end, mm-hmm. you know, pick off people um, and ultra running, like, you know, I, it's a lot of men that I'm picking off. Right. Um, and, you know, that I find that, you know, that is very motivating, but in training, I'm only motivated and thinking about the race. I definitely focus on running my own race and my own training. And, um, you know, I, that helps me, but I will also say that, you know, I will, I try and make the goal, you know, especially now that I have had the opportunity to mature a little bit as a pro runner. Um, like I get the best of myself out of every workout or every race, you know, I tell myself that's the goal. Um, and even if that means jockeying back and forth with someone else and like making it a goal, like, okay, I'm going to pass them back or I'm going to hang on to this person that still can be getting the best of yourself. And that's just using tools to get the best out of yourself. So, but, you know, I think the key is instead to be happy, like you, you won't have a bad day if you did, if you gave hundred percent what you had, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I still approach races that way. And I mostly approach reflecting on races like that so i know you got a busy schedule so i don't want to keep you too long um but uh as uh frequent listeners of the show will know i have a question for each season that i ask every single guest so i'll ask you just as i have every other guest this season um and you've got plenty of them so i'm hoping you've got a good answer for this one uh, my question this season is, how do you celebrate your wins? Oh, man. Um, it really depends. I went through a phase where every time I want to race, I have celiac disease, mm. and I love sugar and sweets. Um, so I'd buy myself a giant cake. Um, but we're now talking, we're talking I, not gluten-free cake. No, I'm talking about a real gluten-free cake. Okay. Like a, a really right, nice Yeah. Okay. I, if I eat gluten, I I'm were... like dead, but I... No, if I eat gluten, I like react really poorly. Okay, but I was like, I thought you were like, the point is, trying to just like go off the rails and go, oh no, forget about it. No, I wish though. Okay. Like the my point, gluten-free cakes are like to get a whole nice one. It's expensive. Yeah, so yeah. So it's been dropped like fifty bucks on a on a cake. Um, but now I think I celebrate with just like time off, like a week after, where I just like don't work and don't train you know, like that reset week, you know, that is just, I look, I like, so if I'm like thinking about dropping, I'm like, you know, that week after will feel so terrible if I drop, you know? Um, so that, that's a huge way I celebrate. Solid answer. Uh, Kat, if people want to follow you, get in touch with you, see what you're up to, any of that kind of stuff, where can they do that? Um, they can follow me on Instagram at Kat Erad is my Instagram handle. Um, 
I'm pretty active on Strava these days, although I go in waves, um, and that's Kat Bradley. Um, and um, I also am the brand manager at Method 7, which basically Method 7 Ultra Trail, which is like new sunglasses, and I basically just do creative for them. So uh, um, I write my own personal blogs, and it's posted on their website. So that, And that's been a really fun creative outlet for me. Um, so check those out too at method7.com. Awesome. Kat, I wish you luck on the rest of the season. Um, it sounds like you've got things at least hopefully under control as you're spending time resting after wins, which is always nice. Um, but thank you for joining me and um, for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, this is great. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining me in my van. <laughs>